at the end of the day, people will only believe in something as much as you believe in it. So you have to have an astronomical level of belief in whatever you're doing because people will see that and be like, well, damn, if this person is like so adamant about this being a successful project, then like, why should I not believe in this? Episode 18 of Invest in Music with TK. Today we're here to talk about Origins, his sophomore album following the Eternal Garden. We talk about his background in a band, moving out to Los Angeles, and making a career on the back of Web3. As a reminder, you can collect this episode on investinmusic.xyz. It's the best way to support our guests, so without further ado, let's get into it. Episode 18 with TK. All right, we got the man, the myth, the legend, TK in the building. TK, how are we feeling today, man? I'm feeling amazing. Thank you for having me. It's a big week for you. We got a lot going on. I'm excited to dive in. I mean, I feel like I know you so well, but I'm so interested to go all the way back to your your origins because you were even telling me about some stuff right before the podcast that I'm excited to dive in on. So for those who don't know, why don't you tell us a little bit about who TK is? I'm TK. I'm a singer, songwriter, and producer based in Los Angeles, California. I consider myself to be a global citizen. I... uh I'm of Nigerian descent, so my family's Nigerian, Yoruba tribe. Um, I lived in the UK until I was like 10 years old. And then I relocated to PG County, Maryland, which is a suburb right outside of Washington, D.C. Then moved to L.A. eight years ago and, you know, done a lot of travel throughout my life. So consider myself a, you know, a, a citizen of the world. But but yeah, definitely from a lot of places. I love it. Have you always been an artist like growing up? Did you always know this is what you wanted to pursue as your passion? Yeah, honestly, yeah. I like, you know, and I don't know how deep I should get into it just off rip, but um, growing up in the UK, I was like just always immersed in different musical uh, situations or like influences. So, you know, my mom was always playing music around the house, Brandy, Craig David, um, you know, all types of R&B stuff, obviously African music, you know, I grew up on, but then I also watched like a ton of like movies that have music. So like Sister Act 2 was my favorite movie ever, like changed my life. But I would also watch like all the Disney movies that you could possibly watch. So I would take like all the the VHSs and I would take like pens and pencils. I would like line them up in front of me and I would like play drums on the on the VHSs while I was watching like the uh the movies and stuff. So definitely a lot of like early just immersion in in a uh, in music and then just growing up in that area i was exposed to like a lot of early 2000s pop music so like s club seven madonna share robbie williams you know coldplay i guess um you know and then like legends like the beatles michael jackson um lauren hill and you know over in europe everything i feel like in comparison to here um, I feel like arena culture is like a lot more prevalent because of the sports that they have there, like soccer, football, um, things like that. So when I was young, like I either wanted to be a singer or I wanted to be a soccer player. That, those were my two choices. And I definitely leaned towards music very quickly, especially when I uh, moved over to the U.S. So, um, yeah, for as long as I can remember, since I was four or five, six years old, I've definitely been in love with music. I love that. Mm-hmm. When did you start going by the name TK? So a lot of people might not know this, but TK is actually, it's a nickname for my middle name. So my middle name is Ade Tokumbo, which in Yoruba means uh, royalty from a foreign land, or more specifically to me, prince from a foreign land. So um, I started going by TK 
in high school really i mean like all my homies would like call me by my first name but like i have a pretty generic first name <laughs> so i was like i want something different you know and um i don't know i just thought of tk just like based on my middle name and i felt like it kind of paid homage to um my heritage a little bit and it also just sounds cool so yeah that's why i started rocking with that i love it and were you doing music in high school yeah i was do- i mean like been doing music in different ways my whole life so like you know elementary school i was always you know singing in choir um or part of like performing arts groups that would like sing and dance and like travel the country um performing at different events you know studying every genre of music from like the 1920s up until like um you know modern era um yeah and i did that like through elementary school, through middle school. And then when I got to high school, I was one of the only students in my, I think the only student in my county that was actually in choir and band at the same time, because they only let you choose one. So I was in everything, dude. I was like marching band, jazz band, concert band, concert choir, gospel choir. Like by the time I was a senior in high school, I only had music classes and one, had one English class, one fashion class and all music class. (laughs) So like, completely immersed in in just like owning my craft as a performing artist from a very like you know performing arts perspective but then at the same time I was like working on music with myself with my friends like around school and then I started a band called Cloud Nine um in 11th grade and we started it really just trying to win a talent show um ended up winning the talent show and then went from like playing around school to like playing like nursing homes and churches and then eventually like took it all the way. We started playing like cafes, theaters, live nation ticketed concerts. We went on tour. It was like a whole thing. So um, that was like really young. That was like high school going into like right out of high school. So um, yeah, I've been a legacy musician for like forever. Was that the decision to move out to LA then was basically you finished high school and you were doing stuff with the band. You're like, okay, it makes sense for us to go out to Los Angeles or what did that transition look like for you? Um, A little bit of both. So Growing up, like in PG County, um, there's a very strong musical culture there or just artistic culture in general. So, you know, the, t- the band I was in, we were very eclectic, but we leaned on a lot of like alternative rock sounds, hip hop, um, you know, jazz, R&B. So we like we were different from a lot of the stuff that was happening in our area. So we uh, grew a following like really quickly. And um because of that, like I was getting so many opportunities just around like the city. I was also like a producer and engineer for like all of the top artists that were coming out of our area at the time. And so I would always run into people and they'd be like, yo, you need to be in LA. Like you're dope. Like what are you doing out here? And I'd be like, my whole life is here. So <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it wasn't LA for me. So man, 2014 is a long time ago. I entered a songwriting competition through Guitar Center and um, out of, 30,000 applicants. I made it to the top 10. So they flew me out to LA. They gave me like all of this free gear, a lot of stuff that I still use today, guitars, keyboards, studio equipment, like you name it. And I basically came in like second place of the competition. But while I was in LA, I got to meet celebrities. I'm driving down Sunset with, you know, in a drop top. I'm looking around. I'm like, this is actually like, (laughs) it's nice around here for sure. So um, I definitely fell in love with just the area and I saw how um, productive I was able to be just in a short weekend of being here versus like the amount of stuff I was able to get done back home. So kind of set my intention on like, I'm, I'm going to get back out here really soon. So 
Later on that year, I ended up getting recruited to write and produce for Jaden Smith and Willow Smith. And um, January of the following year, I flew out here. I was working with them on a lot of music. I was working on music with my homie Trey, who's uh, their older brother, who's an incredible um, house producer and DJ. And I was also working with Will Smith as well. So I was kind of working with the whole family on uh, their musical endeavors. And uh, that led to me, well, didn't lead to me working with her, but I was also working with Diane Warren, who is like probably the the most successful songwriter of all time. Um, so I was literally thrown into like the industry fire of like, yo, be great, like right now, you know, with one of the greatest ever. So yeah, I forgot the original question, but definitely like that, it wasn't the band that brought me out to LA, but being in music so uh, strongly kind of led to me being here. And then my band members flew out and we, we did a lot of great stuff in LA for the time that we were together. Yeah, but I think that starts to dovetail into like you as a solo artist. You yeah. know, it sounds like at that point in time, you were doing a lot more writing for other people. You were doing producing. And it feels mm-hmm. like around that time, you started to develop a presence as TK as a solo artist outside of the band. Is yeah. that kind of the path that led to you? becoming a solo artist yeah so i mean i was a solo artist before i was in a band um and that was where you know me really diving into music as a recording artist and a producer really started and then when i got into the band that's where i really developed as a musician as a live performer um all of those things right so um once we all came out to la we we did we did a lot of amazing stuff like we played a stadium show at nissan stadium in nashville um, and then, you know, we kind of just, just dissolved because like we all had kind of different things that we wanted to accomplish. But yeah, that led to me being like, okay, well, you know, as a writer, as a producer, as a multi instrumentalist, I have a skill set and, you know, um, an, an affinity for music that a lot of people don't have. So I'm not going to stop now, you know, so I really doubled down into being a solo artist. I was still doing a lot of the industry writing and production, but this was when I started to see how writers and producers were like really treated in the industry um and i didn't like i had some bad experiences but like i didn't have it as as bad as a lot of people that really stuck with doing those types of like jobs um but i started to see like you know writers and producers are oftentimes like the last people to get paid and they get paid the least so um I really started focusing on writing and producing for independent artists and then really doubling down on just the music I was making for myself because ultimately I feel like the best music I'm able to make is the music that I'm making for TK. And I also feel that I would have so much more leverage with writing and producing for the artists that I want to work with when they're coming to me for my sound and the things that they've seen me do for myself as opposed to like just pitching or like just trying to like get in the door with certain artists. And it's worked incredibly for me so far but yeah i would say like coming to la is where i really started to like grow as a man as a, as a solo artist and really like figure out my own lane and then what did that look like for you like as a solo artist how did you start releasing your own music were you going through the traditional rails were you kind of doing it indie figuring it out yourself or what did that whole process look like for you yeah completely independent like i went from you know getting money from like these industry placements and like living in Hollywood Hills to moving into a three room recording studio downtown and like sleeping on the floor um, for a year and a half with no access to a shower. (laughs) Like that's how independent I was for real. So uh, actually in in that time was where I I made um, Origins, which I know we'll talk about in a bit, but um, yeah, I was in the grind for sure. And, you know, I, I gave up a lot just to really, 
um, focus on, you know, elevating myself as an, as an artist. And so, um, yeah, went through being, doing that, releasing music to Spotify, releasing, you know, content on social media, some people caring, a lot of people not caring, you know, trying to figure out how do I break through having more label meetings, having meetings with managers and, you know, production companies and all of the above, like, you know, every artist like that's out here in LA that's been here for a while has gone through the same things that I'm talking about. So they understand. Um, but I went through that for sure. And I mean, I'm still an independent artist now, so I can't say that I'm not going through that right now, but thank, thankfully we have like new avenues and pathways to kind of, um, you know, express ourselves from an artistic perspective. But, um, yeah, like, that looked like going through all those things and still trying to figure out like my brand, my identity, my visual identity, you know, I'm also a very eclectic artist. I love a a lot of different sounds. So like, where am I starting? Where do I want to land sonically? Like what genres am I doing? How do I classify myself? Like it was an entire, it's been an entire journey of self-discovery as an artist. Um, And yeah, that's, that's been over the last few years. Well, you can definitely hear it in the music. You know, one of the things I'm always the most impressed by is that when you play live, you have a full band that plays with you. When you listen to your music, it's very orchestral and there's a lot of layers and elements to it. And it can really just kind of hear that that early influence that you had being in a band and kind of being in choir and all these things in high school. I mean, it really just comes full circle with the music that you're putting out today. Man, I I appreciate that for sure. And like even when it comes to performing live, like that's something that I had to relearn because I went from playing with a band and always having musicians to like getting booked for shows then having to hire new musicians or do shows without musicians right which I wasn't used to so that was like another kind of development um in just like my live performance and now I feel like it doesn't matter what you ask me to do like I I can get out there and do it um but from like a sonic perspective yeah I like have definitely channeled every musical experience that I've had over you know the course of my life into uh, the decisions that I'm making when I'm producing records. And sometimes that's, Hey, this is a really simple song. And sometimes that's, Hey, like we're going to create a 82 piece orchestra masterpiece. You know what I mean? So, um, I'm grateful for all of those experiences for sure. And how did this lead you into the web three space? Cause that's definitely how you and I met. And I'm curious to hear about the the birthplace of that kind of story. Yeah. So, um, in, on this like journey of, being an independent artist, I started to like really gain some traction. I would say around 2019, um, I released an album and I had did this huge writing camp for the follow-up project. Um, I also did like this huge, like release party, uh, concert. And, you know, I just had like so much momentum going for me at that time. I probably had like 200,000 monthly listeners on Spotify, which like at the time was like, all right, like you're, you're doing something, you know what I mean? Um, And then the pandemic happened and everything actually before the pandemic happened, um, I was on tour in Australia with my friends, Tenariel and Ari Lennox. And then I was gearing up to do another tour, um, in the spring with the free nationals. They're, uh, they've, they're really popular for being Anderson Pack's band. Um, and so I was like, I was lit. Like (laughs) we're about to like, we're really about to, to go crazy now. And, um, the pandemic happened and really shut everything down. So a lot of my friends, you know, were like, Oh, now I have the time to just like really lock in and just work on as much music as possible. And I was kind of the opposite. I was like, yo, that's like all I've really ever done. I want to take some time just to kind of recenter, focus on myself, um, really figure out how I can find some financial 
uh, freedom or like financial independence because um, I'm realizing that in the music industry, like you need to have money. It's not like, uh, you know, uh, I know a lot of people don't want, don't like to hear it or it's like, it, it seems like it's taboo, but ultimately if you have capital, you're able to accomplish a lot of the things that you want to do. And so I started investing in crypto. I had been familiar with crypto, like since I was a teenager, but I didn't have any money to invest or anything like that. So I was like getting like unemployment checks and like buying Ethereum and buying like Dogecoin, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And like just paying my rent and just like, yeah, that was it. Um, so yeah, I bought some Dogecoin. Uh, when it was at like half a penny, um, we all know what happened with that. Ended up like going crazy and I was just riding the wave, made a little bit of bread, nothing crazy, but like definitely more money than I had had in a very, very, very long time, if ever. Um, and that led me to meeting more people within the crypto space. Um, I went to a flea market one day and I met this guy by the name of Gabriel Tumlos, who is the founder of Mochi, which is a a coordination game that keeps you accountable to like your different goals basically. And, um, I met him and I was like, yo, I'm in crypto. He was like, Oh, I'm in crypto too. And, uh, we had our first meeting and then he really put me on game because when I was like investing in crypto, I was just buying positions on Robinhood. I didn't understand like having your own wallet or like having your own keys or actually holding the crypto. Um, so he asked me, he's like, yeah, do you know, do you have a MetaMask? <laughs> and I'm like, what's a metamask you know and he put me on to like all the different platforms OpenSea, zora at the time like he really just took me under his wing and like um got me familiar with the space and at the same time like introduced me to mochi as a dao so i started to meet more people within just the the crypto and nft community so at the time i was like well i see all these art nfts but i would love to like make music nfts and i didn't know that people were like right on the cusp of like really starting to go crazy with music NFTs. So um, I was in a group with an artist named Halik Maul and another artist named Pete Rango. And Halik would never check into our meetings at all. We would always be like, yo, like, where is Halik? Like, what is he doing right now? <laughs> and then one day he showed us like his website for Holder's Land. And then a couple weeks later, he sold four songs on catalog for, I think, $235,000 or two hundred thirty or something like that. And I was like, yeah. That's that's definitely what I want to do for sure. So I started asking more questions just about like the music NFT space. Pete added me to the sound, uh, sound.xyz telegram chat. And from there, the floodgates opened. I started meeting everyone that was anyone in the music NFT space at the time. And um, that's how I really got into music NFTs. But throughout that time, I was also like still very vocal about the things that I was discovering within the within the nft space as a whole the crypto space as a whole i would use the platforms that i had to share this with other artists to share this with people that come from marginalized communities and be like yo there's this whole ecosystem here where you can find some financial or creative freedom if you're willing to like learn and so i started a platform called afro zero which highlights black and indigenous people of color and their art throughout the web3 space and that's still a developing project but that was like really where i first started to like you know, meet so many people within the space just by like offering information as I was getting it. And, you know, they say the best way to learn is to teach. And so anytime someone had a question for me, I was then tasked with having to go seek out those answers in order to relay it to them. So I think that's how I learned um, so much about the space so quickly. 
I love that. I mean, there's a few things to unpack there. First of all, having a guide to get you in the space and teach you about what MetaMask is, it's so important because I think that there are so many people that hear about crypto and they just stop at the buying Dogecoin. You know, they never go beyond Coinbase or beyond Robinhood. And it feels like a lot of the value of what this space offers is really learning how to interact with these different applications, have a profile, be able to have an ENS name and just like really feel and cement that culture beyond like the speculative aspect to it. So I'm super happy to hear about that. And I think the other thing I'd pull out is that you are just so active in the community on a day-to-day basis, you know, both digitally and IRL. I think the one thing that I've loved about you has been you performed at NFT NYC, you performed at Art Basel, you performed in Bogota, DevCon. You know, like I think that for a lot of people that are looking to navigate this space, it is such an online community that you think that that's everything that it encapsulates. But I think for you, I've noticed that you've gone above and beyond your online presence and just been really active IRL as well. Yeah, there's a couple of things there. I would say like, so I have a friend, uh, whose name is Pat Jr. He's an incredible artist that's also been releasing music in the Web3 space. And he always calls Iman Europe, who's obviously one of the pioneers of our space. He always calls her his uh, Web3 Jedi master. And that's definitely who Gabe was for me amongst like some other people in the space. And I think it's very valuable to have mentorship and to have people that are willing to like impart information, you know, with you or just like point you in the right direction because you know, it's not as complicated now, but at the time, like the, it, there was a big learning curve, you know, with getting into the space. And as we simplify all of these processes and all these tools that we're using, people will need less and less handholding to like really get involved. But like we're still in a place where it helps to have community and it helps to have um, people that are willing to just help you out. Um, so I kind of took that. Um, I kind of started to be that person for other people. Um, and I figured out that obviously if I'm able to accomplish certain things within the space, then it helps for me to be an example or to be a mentor. Um, yeah, I would just say an example for what other people can do. You know, I don't necessarily want to say case study because there's a lot of case studies, uh, within Web3 music, but obviously the things that we're doing right now are historical. And so they'll be used, I think, in the history books for like, you know, how this next generation of artists were able to find like, um, you know, financial and creative independence. And so that comes with showing up and that comes with not only talking to people on a day-to-day basis online, but also showing up IRL and being in these places to meet with them face-to-face. Like I always say, like I go where the love is and I've received more love and more um, just like well wishes surrounding my projects and my music and my art from web three than I've received. Um, I don't want to say overall from web two, because like my entire career has been built in web two. Right. But I think for the amount of time that like we've been creating within web three, like the potency of the love and the support and the bullishness surrounding all these projects is like, it's astronomical. And so that's, you know, why I think it's, it's easy for me um, to just show up and like, have conversations with people and meet new people and hear their stories and tell my story. And, you know, I also love to perform. So like, um, and touring, you know, internationally and, and singing live is like, that's my dream. That's what I want to do. And so the web three world has like 
given me those opportunities through performing at NFT conferences or ETH conferences or just even like satellite events that are happening surrounding those, uh, you know, large conferences in these major cities. And so for me, it's a no brainer. Like if I can afford it or if it's, you know, being taken care of for me to be there, like I'll be there. And, um, you know, it's it's definitely worked wonders for who I am as an artist within the Web3 space, but then also the things that I can, uh, you know, leverage that into in my overall career. And I feel like that was so important and what made Eternal Garden so successful is that yeah. when that drop started to come out, I noticed that you had so much support from your community and from the different people that you had been helping out or educating. And I'd love for you to maybe talk a little about Eternal Garden, kind of the origins of it, and then kind of how that played into this wider journey. Yeah, I mean, I think when I look back, it's like I had a lot of support kind of stored up because I wasn't like super extractive of the space. Like up until Eternal Garden, I had I probably only had three or four drops, but everyone like everyone treated me as though I had like the biggest drops in the world or, or as if I had done so much already. And I think a lot of that just kind of goes back to just showing up and like being present every day. And the things that I were I was sharing, I made sure to like put my best foot forward with the art that I was um you know, creating. But yeah, Eternal Garden was um, kind of my flagship music NFT album. It was a seven song project uh, that released on sound.xyz in partnership with Bonfire. Um, it was one of the first projects that used sounds protocol. So allowing you to use sound smart contracts on different platforms in order for people to mint uh, your sound NFTs wherever you want them to be. Um, but yeah, Eternal Garden, it's like, there's a whole story and a whole universe that's attached to the music. Um, it was a comp compilation of different songs that I had made over the course of the last year and a half, two years. And um, yeah, it started with like Heaven on Earth, which was my Genesis music NFT. Um, and I kind of tied the Heaven on Earth story into the story of Password, which was my second music NFT on sound and created this entire like universe surrounding those two songs. And um, yeah, I just kind of earlier on in the year, just like started talking about Eternal Garden as though it was already a thing. I didn't tell people it was a project. I didn't tell people it was an album. It was music. I was just like, yo, Eternal Garden's on the way. And I just kept abusing the flower emoji on Twitter and just like, you know, just kind of create like just putting out different teasers and stuff. So it ended up releasing on November 25th, uh, 2022 at Art Basel in Miami. And uh, over the course of seven days, we sold 700 music NFTs at 0.07 ETH. We raised 38.26 ETH, which at the time was around $50,000, uh, which is more money than I've ever made as an independent artist on my own music in such an amount of time. So I consider that to be, I think a lot of people consider it to be like a historical moment for independent artistry as a whole especially um, given that we're using these emerging technologies that so many people are still not uh, very aware of. So that's a project that I'm super grateful of um, and I'm super proud of as well. And it's the project that's allowed me to start to really build my own individual artist community within Web3, but then also um, going into Web2 as well. Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely co-sign saying that it was an extremely significant part of this culture. You know, I remember being with you at Art Basel. I think it was like the Wave World event. And yeah. there was like that small room that Ali was performing at some other people. And you were like 10 left. You know what I mean? Like it's all <laughs> happening in that moment. And, you know, I just want to commend you because you and your team, you really just went out and you just went for it. You know, and I think it's something that's so important to highlight is that in this space, 
consistency I always talk about is important, but there comes a time when you need to really stand on your value. And I feel like for you, you said, Hey, I am capable of doing this. And you went out and you figured out how to get it done, you know, in the face of, you know, a declining market Mm -hmm. in the face of everyone saying the NFTs were dead. You're like, this is important to me. You know, these are the partners that I need around me to make this happen. And it was bigger than just you. You know, you had a whole team behind you. You had a bunch of partners behind you. And I think it's so important to highlight because for artists that are listening to this, you are capable of doing that if you take the effort and the initiative to give it a shot. You know, and I think what I really loved about the way you presented it is you just believed in it so much that you almost manifested that into becoming the success story that it was. 100%. I agree with every part of that for sure. A wise man once said, they didn't believe in us, but God did. God did. Um, no, that's how I felt about that project because at the time, um, yeah, bear market, the FTX crash, like completely destroying everything. Um, and we like, bro, <laughs> we, cause even at the time, 0.07, like as a price for an NFT was considered like grossly high because everyone was like trending towards like these lower prices, 0.01, 0.02, 0.03. And we were like, we originally wanted to do 0.1, to be honest, but um, we were like, okay, let's do 0.07. It's seven songs, 700 NFTs. Let's just keep it consistent. Um, And we just like stood our ground and we just like, like at the end of the day, people will only believe in something as much as you believe in it. So you have to have like, you know, an astronomical level of belief in whatever you're doing because people will see that and be like, well, damn, if this person is like so adamant about this being a successful project then like why should i not believe in this or why why should i be the doubter and people love um to follow trends and to follow things that they see other people being excited about and so i think our main thing was like let's just generate as much excitement and mystique around this project as possible like let's not give away too much like i only had one asset that I used to promote eternal garden. And that was the eternal flower. It was just a, it looked like a beauty and the beast flower in the vase and it was just spinning. And I just posted that every day, just like telling people eternal garden, eternal garden is coming until right before the drop is when I really, you know, exposed like everything that it was. But yeah, I mean, I would say the same thing to like any other artist. It's like, A, you just have to be super intentional about what it is that you're putting out there because as the space is growing, like, collectors and fans like we're still at a point where they have to choose like what they're going to invest in because this is real money they're not they can't well they can mint nfts for free but if you want to make money they have to choose between like am i getting you know the daniel allen drop today or am i getting the bloody white drop today or what am i doing right so um you have to be super intentional about the art that you're creating create a world that people can get lost in that they can be a part of you know um like have lofty goals for yourself, but set re- reasonable expectations and just know that like the bar has been set so low for uh, artists when it comes to traditional music industry that like making really any amount of money um, in Web3 is like a major win for you and for everyone else that's like that is an independent artist. So, you know, don't beat yourself up if you see yourself not doing the numbers that these other artists are doing. But ultimately, like you got to believe in it more than you believe in anything else like in your life and um obviously make great art as well and i think that will always translate and resonate so yeah i think that's that's a big part of why eternal garden was successful and then obviously like yeah i have my team lottie aiden laura 
um, that just like helped really project manage and advise. And then I had so many incredible partners that I work with lens, mochi, um, man, symphony sound bonfire, obviously, um, the list goes on and on there, but, um, no, I was grateful to be able to get that off the ground. Well, I think it's an exciting moment because you mentioned building a world for yourself. And a big reason why we had this podcast today is that you're actually continuing that world now with the second project. I'd love for you to maybe talk a little bit more about the continuation of Eternal Garden and what that looks like with this Origins project. Yeah. So this new project is called Eternal Garden Origins or just Origins for short. Um, it is another seven song album. Um, but this project, as opposed to being a, a sequel to Eternal Garden, is actually a prequel to uh to Eternal Garden as a project. So this is kind of going deep into it. But if you look at the track list of Eternal Garden, the first song on the project is called Arcadia. And that was actually a last minute addition because I, there was one song on Eternal Garden that I wanted to get on the project, but I couldn't get it on in time. So I actually took Arcadia from, let's just say, from the world of origins and placed it at the top of Eternal Garden. And so when you listen to the project, like you hear Arcadian, it's like this huge, like cinematic, like thing. <laughs> and then you listen to the rest of the project and the rest of the songs are a lot more like pop, hip hop, alternative. They are, they still have like big soundscapes, but they're not like as huge as Arcadia. And so like what I'm doing with this project is actually taking you deeper into the world of Arcadia, how it was created. Um, how we even got to that point and then how it leads into uh, Eternal Garden, the first project that I put out. So, um, yeah, that's a project that's going to drop on sound. Um, we're building out our own custom minting experience so that you can mint the entire album um, in one click. And I'm really excited for people to hear this because um, if you love Arcadia as a song, it's literally seven more songs that are just like that. And it's definitely... You know, at the time that I made it, I was like trying to really express my musical genius as much as possible. So I played every instrument on the project. Like I was really intentional about the story, the songwriting, how each song leads into another, um, really painting like a visual picture of like, you know, what you're experiencing musically. And so um, I'm really excited for people to hear this because in a lot of this music, I didn't really take into account the things that you would when you're creating a record um, just for like for listening purposes. Like I wasn't like, oh, let's like take that out and like leave it for the live version. I was like, no, let's like put it in the actual song. So um, I think the experience is one that's going to take people on like a magical journey. And like I'm really excited for people to hear it, because if you're familiar with my music as of recent, it's, it's going to sound like. I just went like, I just took everything that I'm doing and just like went to the max. So yeah, I'm excited for it. Same here. And I think it's just amazing that it's building on the story of Eternal Garden because having that lineage to be able to tie back into something that was so paramount in your career, it's just like it extends and it proliferates the importance of the, the first collection, you know, and I think there's something so powerful to that. Yeah. I mean, world building is something that I've always wanted to do as an artist. And I've, I felt like I never had the tools or the audience that it like to a the tools to create it but the audience for it to really reach and resonate with and the web3 community is like amazing for these types of projects and so yeah i felt compelled like i could have released this as a separate project and not even tied it together you know but um i felt like it would be doing a disservice to 
Eternal Garden itself and to my community that supported that project without like tying it all in. Right. So I feel like it works like expanding the world, expanding the universe even more and giving people something like even deeper to dive into. And so this isn't going to be the last one. You know what I mean? There's, there's definitely going to be more, um, you know, surrounding this world for sure. But I'm, I'm definitely happy to be a storyteller and to like give people something to escape life with for a little bit. I mean, the music's incredible. And I feel like when you listen front to back, it's so obvious to hear all of those influences we talked about earlier on in the episode. And, you know, I think something I'm also really excited about is to be partnering with Optimism for it, you know, and to be like really allowing as many people as possible to get involved with this because it's more addition at a lower price point. And I think that's going to allow so many more people to come into this world. Yeah. I mean, there's a huge conversation surrounding, you know, the value of NFTs and first and foremost, like the value of an NFT is not defined by its price ever. Um, the value of the NFT is defined by the person that's holding it or the artist that is putting it out there. Um, and we're just at the beginning of this, right? So who knows where this space is going to go? But like you said, I'm, I'm happy to be doing this on the optimism blockchain. Um, a big part of onboarding more music fans to the space is, you know, dealing with the financial barriers. First and foremost, like, are these NFTs accessible to maybe the average person that doesn't have a ton of money to spend on NFTs? Um, how do we, uh, you know, reduce the amount of fees that you're paying when you're actually minting NFTs? Because on every blockchain, there's going to be fees, but on certain chains like Ethereum, uh, they can be a lot more and that can cause people to have to choose between you know, how many NFTs are going to mint or if they're going to mint NFTs at all or when they decide to mint and they can miss out on certain uh, collecting opportunities because of these fees. So optimism is amazing because they have, you know, obviously created a way for you to interact with the Ethereum blockchain um, at a much lower price, <laughs> you know, in terms of fees. And so, um, yeah, this project's going to be on optimism. Um, it's going to be fairly inexpensive. Uh, relatively speaking. And yeah, the fees will be almost zero because we're using um, the Optimism chain. And I'm happy to also have this project on their chain so that it can continue to grow their ecosystem because they're building some really incredible things over there. So yeah, I'm just blessed and honored to to be partnered with such incredible people. hundred percent. And I know that you expressed how important it was to also be partnering with Decent with the box here to make it so that it was easier for people who were maybe not on Optimism yet to be able to collect this as well. Yeah. um, I've always been a huge fan of the team over at Decent, like since their inception, I feel like. And um, I just love the way that they position themselves with the tools that they're creating um, that are so useful because they're, they never create things that other people are like already doing, which I love and being able to partner with them. using the box is going to be great because essentially you'll be able to mint uh, origins with whatever cryptocurrency you see fit um, because they have a, a beautiful conversion mechanism going on over there, um, which is just going to make this project even more accessible to people, I think, because you won't have to necessarily go through a bridging process of like, oh, let me bridge from this to this or, oh, OK, I have matic let me go switch it to this different um currency so um yeah super happy to be partnered with them and just grateful honestly for them making my job easier as an artist to sell a product and the last one i want to shout out here is your ai voice model you got going on with kits there i feel like it's something that there's so many different ways to go with it that i'm curious to see what it actually looks like specifically with relation to origins but there's something special on the table there. And I don't know if you can quickly just talk about your relationship with that project and kind of how that came about. Yeah, I'm trying to be really quick. So like 
my mantra recently has been I'm turning my artist career into a marketplace. And so I break that down into creating the best art that I can create, um, indexing the tools that I use to create that art, distributing those tools, and then monetizing the distribution. So a great example of that is using is uh, this AI voice model that I created with kids. I've been a singer my entire life. I have trained my voice. I have trained my re- recording process in order to create like the best possible output that I can create as an artist. And, um, you know, there are so many people that love my voice that would love to have my voice singing a demo, or maybe they hear something that they would love my voice to sing for me that maybe I wouldn't hear. And so partnering with kids to create an AI voice model has been great because now, um, you know, I have essentially an AI version of my voice that someone can come and plug in an acapella um, or plug in a different sound and have my voice singing, whatever that is. So there's this entire world for, um, you know, how other creatives can use my voice. But then I also love um, the ways that I'm able to use it for myself as well. So I can record, record a quick voice memo on my phone while I'm driving somewhere and upload it to my voice model and get a super pristine cut or version of what that would sound like if I were to record it in the studio with like putting my best effort forward. Um, and so there's like all these different techniques that can be used um, with these AI voice models. And, you know, I know it's like a touchy subject right now with like ethics and morality and like how these things are being used, but I like to really focus on each individual artist and how they can use their own voice model to their advantage, but then also monetize their voices and monetize the work that they've put in because like why is it that i can only monetize my voice when i'm using it (laughs) you know what i mean like why is it like if i want to monetize my voice i have to sing something i have to do some type of work for somebody but like i should be able to monetize my voice even when i'm not singing and um obviously you can do that through the music that you put out and things of that nature but that's still the product of a recording or like a piece of work, but I'm talking about the actual voice that I have myself. And so I'm super excited to see um, other artists like take that to the next level. And um, just like the, the expansion of like machine learning as it relates to, to art and helping independent artists like really create the art that they want to make. That's right. And there really are so many layers to it. And the one thing that I always appreciate about you is you're so forward with using these new tools and using this new technology that it's really just an exciting place. And, you know, we got uh, Origins coming out on Monday as the release of this episode. I'm extremely excited to collect it. I think it's such an amazing continuation of your journey. So I just want to say thank you for taking the time to come and tell us about your story today. No, man. And thank you for having me. you know, on the pod. And thank you also for creating Coop Records and you guys being, you know, a partner in Origins, helping, uh, you know, really organize things and align partnerships um, and, you know, make this project obviously more successful than it, you know, would have been just by myself. Because, you know, like as an independent artist, these things are tough. You are the CEO of your own company and, you know, you call the shots and you make all the decisions. So it's always great to have, you know, people like yourself and other people that I work with um, on my team and within the Web3 space to just like support artists like myself on, on our journey. So happy for all the history that we're creating uh, with one, one, another, one another. And I can't wait to like look back and uh, be like, damn, we really did that. <laughs>
We really did. It's yeah. honestly a no-brainer, man. I mean, I look around at all the artists in the space, and they're really a select handful that are really committing themselves to this culture in the way that you are. So when I was talking with my team, and we're like, who are some artists that we want to work with? Top of the list, you know? And when I saw the way that you execute on Eternal Garden, I already knew that there was so much opportunity there that, you know, Origins is just going to be another success story and many, many more to come. So it's really, truly my pleasure. And I'm excited that we got a chance to tell your story to the masses as well. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Origins coming out on July 17th, and we will see you guys again soon.